Thanks, guys. All right, you can have a seat. How are we doing today? Uh, you know, I was um, a couple months ago, I think I was walking in here, and I was talking to someone, I think, on the greeting team, and I said, what do you think the last thing a pastor does before he preaches? And they're like, pray. Like, That's the second to last thing. The last thing they do is check their fly, make sure nothing's no problem. And I'm, I wish I was kidding, but hey, the enemy is always looking to attack. So you got to be careful. All right. I don't know why I said that. Uh, the other services didn't get that. Um, so we, we began um, things, this really short four-week series just called BOW, okay? Um, the acronym, easy to remember, to simplify things. And we begin with the B. And I can't re-preach that. You can get that online if you, wanna, if you weren't here last week. But I do want to bring this back, show you my strength picking up rocks. As you remember, it's really not that big of a deal. I am thankful for Rip and Ginger. They were the nine. I borrowed this from them about 12 years ago. So uh, they, they know where it is if they need it. So th- this represented the B, and that's believe. Everything begins there, right? Because we're going to look at the O, and that's obey. And, and if you leave, you're thinking, I've got to obey, I've got to obey, obey. And, and you didn't start with believe, you're going to be sunk. You're not going to do it. It's got to start with believe. So we said, but the word in both the Hebrew and the Greek have these nuances to it that, that mean like a doorpost, right? Or a rock in the ocean. That you, you stay there even when the storms come. No matter how dark it gets, how rough the seas get, I will believe. If I don't see it, I don't see the answer. I I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe his word, right? So I'll get something else for you. You've seen this before. Ah. My Jacob Marley impression, right? Right. Some of you know Christmas Carol. Um, this Andy Evelis said it's called the chain of pain. If you don't believe in the rope of hope, you get the chain of pain. I said that's not what this is. But instead, what we're going to do is, is, is because this O, is, they're linked. I almost wish we had a little link right there. You can't have one without the other. And this is the biggest thing I want you to get. I'm gonna. I don't want to hurt myself, but just imagine this, right? We're we're around this rock. And, and the idea here is, if I really believe, I can't go anywhere. I obey. Because sometimes we think, hmm, I can, I, I can go over here. I still believe in God, but I'm listening to a different voice. And so that's the thing every one of us has to remember. We are all listening and obeying a voice. <laughs> Maybe it's your voice. I'm not going to get the, uh, the, the throne of your life out. We used that a lot last series, but you get it. Maybe you're listening to the voice of culture or subculture of whoever you listen to or watch, and you're starting to listen to that voice. And so you say, well, I believe God, but I'm over here obeying this voice. Well, you're not believing, right? Believe always comes with obey. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help us. Lord, I feel like um, that it's easier sometimes to talk about believing. Obeying sometimes just because of our rebellious spirits, even how strong Christians we might be, We have the flesh in us, Lord, that we're battling, the old man, the old self. Sometimes talking about obedience just isn't as fun, but it's so important to help us to simplify, Lord, wherever we're at, whether in this room or online with us, or might watch this later or listen to this later, you know where we're at. Some are faithfully walking with you. Thank you. Keep them going, O Holy Spirit. Some are not even sure they believe in you anymore or ever did. I pray you'd meet them with faith, open their eyes, and everywhere in between, get me out of the way. Show us how simple it 
Yeah, it's hard, but simple it can be. To believe you, to believe your word, and to obey you. It's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. So I, I really want you, if nothing else, just, just get this aspect. So I slaved all weekend. Like, I mean, I didn't do it. All my free time was spent doing something for you. And that is making the best pudding you've ever seen. All right? I, I mean, I got the recipe. I tried it. I tasted it. I put, like, I kept remaking I needed to make sure it's the greatest pudding that you have ever had. Who believes me? There's a few. James, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Right? Well, here's how we're going to know. Somebody's going to taste it, right? Who wants to do that? Michaela? No. No. Faith? Pandora? No. Nasty human. Anybody? You want it? All right, here you go. Just take the spoon, take a taste. You tell me if it's the greatest pudding you've ever had. What do you think? It's actually really good. It's actually really good. I, I should get, I mean, see, Pandora, you blew it. He's pretty surprised. Now, is it the greatest pudding in the world? No. It took me five minutes. It's jello pudding from a box. I didn't even have to cook anything, right? But it is actually pretty good. I tasted it myself. But it's not the greatest, right? So I do that because there's an expression. You've all heard it. The proof is in the pudding. Do you know that actually originated from a statement that makes a lot more sense to me? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. That makes more sense, doesn't it? So you can say all day that you got the best pudding in the world. Someone's got to try it. And now we're going to know if you're just full of hot air or you're actually telling the truth. Now, this, this idea of the proof of the pudding is in the eating is the same thing as what we're talking about. The proof of the believing is in the obeying. We can talk in church and all day, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Are you obeying God? Even when it's hard, even when it's risky. Because that shows you that in the moment of that storm or that stress or that doubt or that temptation, I believe God. Now, don't take my word for it. You know what Jesus said the night before he uh, uh, went to the cross? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love him? Well, I thought it was believe. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you believe he gave everything for you. So you love him. They go hand in hand. So Jesus says, if you really love me, you'll do what I say. You'll keep my commandments. One of these places that I, I love, it's, it's like not a super familiar place for people in Scripture because it's kind of a short, just a couple, just really a couple of verses. But in Luke chapter uh, 11, um, Jesus just gets done with all these teachings, right? And there's this crowd around him. And this woman, God bless her, right? She, as he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. Anyone ever said that to anybody? Please don't ever say that to me, no matter how much you want to encourage me. That's weird, right? But it wasn't weird for them. What she's saying is, I'm a mom, right? And, and, and I'm saying, like, if you were my son, I would be so blessed. That's how awesome you are. It was a good thing to say, and it wasn't wrong. We know from Scripture Mary was blessed. But Jesus, instead of saying, yeah, I love my mom, thank you for that, that's great, move on, he says something kind of out of left field, right? And this is how Jesus responds to her. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
Well, I was just trying to give you a compliment, Jesus. I know. Here's why Mary's really blessed. Not because we share flesh and blood, but because she heard the word of God and she kept it. Mary's an amazing example of doing that. And so he says that, that you, it, it's not about being flesh and blood, that you here sitting right today, you are amazingly blessed if you hear God's word and keep it, obey it. There was another time where um, his family wanted to visit him. There was a crowd around him. And they said, hey, your brothers and your mom are here. Like, right? And, and Jesus again takes this. Instead, he's, he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. <laughs> over and over again. This is pretty important to Jesus, isn't it? So it should be important to us. Now I want you to notice he says, hear the word of God. And in their culture, it was only like super rich people. It was very rare to have what we have. God's word on a parchment that they could read anytime they wanted. Some had it, not very often, right? But we have many advancements, the printing press, etc. And now we, not only in, heat, in book form, but you can get it on your devices and on your phone. Can you imagine that? I mean, if you could go back in time and say, hey, I grabbed the word of God right out of my pocket. They'd be like, what? They had to hear it. Learn it. Memorize it. But I, I point that out because if you could even add to that, right? Jesus says anyone who hears or reads the word of God and does it. And does it. James said that if you, if you read the, the, the word of God and, and don't do anything about it, it's like looking in the mirror, seeing something that's wrong and going away. I'm a guy. I do that a lot. We had a funeral recently where I had a white shirt. and It's like looking in the mirror. and I'm like, is that a stain? Nah, the suit coat will cover it. It'll be fine. First person who saw me at church was like, that's a stain on your shirt. I'm like, then I had another one on this. I got rid of it just a second ago. But that's what it's like. So, so it's one thing to read it, hear a sermon, listen to it, whatever. But the key, the proof of that pudding is whether you obey it, especially when it doesn't make a lot of sense and there's voices over here saying, no, no, we know more, we know better. And so to believe God is to obey God. To obey God is to obey God's word. I, for me, as a young Christian, the Bible and investigating it was very important. I don't lightly uh, believe fairy tales. And I'm not just going to go, and I heard all the things that some of you have heard. This was written, you know, hundreds of years after the events, and it was by this, and there's all kinds of, all kinds of errors, all, right? And, and, and so I investigated Right? I like, I've read books on it. I've read, you know, I can send you, someone already asked me, I'm like, God bless you. I could send you the, the research paper I did in seminary on the formation of the Bible, and I need to tell you that it's the most trusted document we have in human history today, to this day. But don't take my word for it. If you want, well, grab uh, one of those Case for Christ books on your way out, if you haven't already. I mean, it's not the point of the book, but there's some chapters in there about why we can trust the Bible. I can give you much bigger books if you're a real voracious reader. And, and, and because, and, I, and I'm, I'm not joking, like, if you can't believe the Bible's true, then, then we're sunk. This is God's revelation. It's one thing to believe your own opinion of what you think God would say. That's just you, not God. This is objective. And, and, and sometimes in there we're like, ew, that's hard. Right. But if I believe God in that, I'll obey him. You see, Jesus, I love this parable. I've used it before. I love to use it with our, when I teach our teenagers because they're making big decisions in life and will be. And, and it's the parable that maybe you've heard before, you've probably heard before. It's, it's, he says, your life is like a house being built, right? You can build your house or your life on sand, right, or on rock. 
And, and it's one thing, you build your house on the beach, it's a beautiful day, you walk out of your door, it's a sunny day, oh, this is nice, until what happens? The floods come, the rains come, the tornado comes, your house, your life sweeps away. But when you build it on rock, you withstand the storms of life. I bring that up because he introduced that parable by saying, he who hears what I have to say and does it is like a man who builds his house on rock. And so if you're going to build your life, your house on rock, it's got to be in obedience to what God says, God's word, even when it's hard. Now, I want to give you, like we did last week, some examples. The hard part about this, just like last week, is I could give you, I want to challenge you when you're reading your Bible, uh, maybe you've already done this, like try to identify where it's showing you it comes down to believing God and obeying God. And by the way, worshiping God, but that's next week. It's just like, it just keeps on, that theme is constant, right? So there's so many places I could go. But I decided to take a couple of examples from the same book. And it's the book of Daniel, right? Daniel's an interesting book. Half of it is narrative. Half of it is visions and prophecy. But in these two examples, which like uh, David and Goliath, it's examples that probably a lot of you have heard before. They're amazing. They're great. Daniel is a man, along with his three friends, Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Took me years to memorize that, so don't, you know, give me some props. That they were actually, um, they they loved the Lord God. They lived in and around Jerusalem, and Babylon conquered them. Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world, but a little crazy. But he had this amazing strategy. When they conquered a nation, they would take all of the leaders or up-and-coming leaders, young men, who, who, who could potentially lead that country into rebellion in the future, and they'd strip that country of those leaders. And twofold, they'd bring them to their country in Babylon and immerse them in language and culture so that those leaders would become leaders in Babylon. It was kind of brilliant. A little risky, but brilliant. And so that's what happened to Daniel and his three friends. And so they get brought to Babylon, and now they're living in a culture that does not know God, does not really care about God, does not believe God, does not certainly follow God, and, and, and they have to navigate that culture. Does it sound familiar? Because guess what? You're living in Babylon. You're living in a place just like that. And, and, and it's hard work to be like Daniel and his three friends. Here's why. I don't, I don't want you to be like Daniel and the lion's den, which we'll talk about, or the fiery furnace, it, 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 like, which we'll talk about. Being like Daniel means somehow in a foreign culture where almost every other voice says something different is to be admired and respected because of our honesty, our integrity, our compassion, our empathy, our respect for others, our care for the poor, all of these things that funnel from believing and obeying God that that, that people just like, I don't know why you're so religious, but man, I like being around you. I'm going to put you in charge of big things because you have such integrity. That was Daniel, and that was his three friends. Nebuchadnezzar put them high up, and, and, and so much so that they got a lot of jealousy from others. In chapter 3 of Daniel, Daniel's somewhere else. We don't know where he is, but his three friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're still around, and, and there's some jealousy, some other officials. And, and, and they decide, huh, Nebuchadnezzar, we, we, we need to somehow trip these guys up. I know. And so they say, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, why don't you build this giant statue, make, a, make it of gold, right? And it will represent your power, your authority, that no kingdom will ever be greater than yours, right? No God will ever be greater than you. 
and have all, everyone come, which he did, all the officials from all over the place, well, the party, and every time this amazing band plays music, you require everyone to bow and worship your statue. So uh, he decides this is a good idea. And if you don't bow, we're going to build this gigantic furnace that you will go into to be burned alive. Sounds like fun. And so in, in Daniel 3, uh, this is what happens. They all, they all gather. As soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, that's a band, huh? Man, all the peoples, nations, languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I need you to hear me in case you faded out. Because this is just my conjecture, but I know how people are. And, and by guesses, almost every one of those guys that looks at the statue and, and they were there and were going, they didn't believe a word of it. They had a lot of gods, a lot of spiritual things, a lot of stuff, and they were just like, this king is kind of crazy, but he's pretty powerful. I don't want to go into a furnace, and I like my power, and I like where I'm at, so yeah, it's no big deal. Just kind of go, right? Just, just, you know, and, and Verizon, what's going on here? Somebody? Guarantee that someone over the age. No, never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> and and so, so, like, just imagine that, right? None of Because it's so easy. It would have been so easy for these three guys to go, God, you know I don't mean this. God, I'm just doing this because I don't feel like dying. You don't want me to die. And other people would say to them, your God doesn't want you to die in a furnace. What a waste. There's so much good you're doing. Just, just, just once, bow down. You don't have to actually mean it. But they're not going to do that. And they say, no, we're not doing that. And they don't. And then the, the jealous people go to the king and they say, hey, uh, those, those, those three Hebrews, yeah, they didn't bow to your statue. And Nebuchadnezzar gets furious. His face matches the fire of the furnace. And he says, he comes over to them and he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. Like any mother who's at her last wits. One more chance. I'm going to have them play the best song you've ever heard and you will bow to that statue. And this is what he says. I don't think he means to, but in this, he asks a question that is our question for us as well. He says, if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who, here's the question, you ready? And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who do you think is more powerful than me? You can have gods, you can have beliefs, you can have whatever you want, but none of it's bigger than me. I, you, you, you see, this isn't a fairy tale, guys. This is a furnace. They're staring at it. And he says, I'm giving you one last chance. I'm not going to lie. It'd be a great temptation to me to be like, God, I, I'll confess this later. But right now, I'm just going to do a little, you know. But here's how they, 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 they answer the king. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. That's amazing, right? That's belief that just act, acted out obedience. We're going to trust God. That's, that's amazing. But, but to me, the favorite verse is the next one. I love this. But if not, think about that. If he decides not to, if we die in that furnace, and how many martyrs have gone to the stake to be sawn in two, to be burned alive, to be boiled in, in water and oil. How many have gone believing God can deliver them, but if not, 
If not, he said, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You see, that's the victory. If you were here last week, I said to you, the victory of believing isn't the results. God's in charge of results. It's hard for us, especially guys. We want to manipulate everything. We want to fix everything. And, and we just need to simplify it. I, I, I believe God. I believe his word. I'm going to obey it, come what may. Because even if he doesn't deliver me from this fiery furnace, he will ultimately deliver me into life, into his presence. And so he says, if not. And so you can imagine how Nebuchadnezzar took that. Most powerful man in the world throws himself into a rage. He has him bound in chains. And they go into this huge furnace. And he's looking. And he's like, wait a minute. And he asks a question. He's like, hey, wasn't there three of them? Yeah, there was, there was three. He's like, huh. And he answered them after they said, yeah, it was three. I see four. I see four men, and they're unbound. That's very important. They're free. They're walking in the midst of the fire. They're not even hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. A lot of scholars think, well, that's, that was an angel that God used to deliver them. Something. This is a pre-incarnate uh, uh, Christ who came and protected them. That's awesome to think about. We'll know someday. But what we do know is God did deliver them. And that furnace is a beautiful picture and foreshadowing of the cross. To which the wrath of God comes down. And Jesus, by taking our place, takes every last bit of it. And you don't even smell the smoke. The grace of God delivering you from death. And so, the victory, though, is in the obedience. It's not in the results. But the results were... They were saved. They came out, and they kept living and kept, kept obeying and kept, uh, you know, along with Daniel. Now, you get to chapter 6 of Daniel. Daniel's front and center, but here's what people forget, because there's only a few pages in your Bible, right? But uh, it's like he's been in Babylon now 70 years. Daniel and his three friends lived almost their whole life in Babylon, and they never left. And, da and Daniel would, as we'll see, he used to pray with his window open towards Jerusalem. What that said was, God, I'm going to believe you're going to bring me home. And he never did. But the victory is in belief and obedience. That was who Daniel was. So now in chapter 6, the Babylon Babylonians are gone. Medes and Persians have, have, have conquered them. Nebuchadnezzar's statue was wrong. There will come another kingdom. And, and so uh, there's now another king in charge. His name's Darius, and he loves Daniel. Once again, if you want someone to entrust your kingdom with, choose the most honest, respectful man of integrity or woman of integrity as you possibly can, and that was Daniel. I want that to be said of you. Not that we're these rebellious, angry, screaming at the world Christians. We are men and women, boys and girls, who people want to be around, but we do not do it in compromise. That's the hard part. Don't compromise. And so Daniel is there, and he's, he's, he, him and two other guys are in charge of everything, and Darius was going to actually put him in charge of everything, and more jealousy. And I think the jealousy wasn't just because Daniel was thought higher of the king, but these other guys want to cook the books a little bit, skim from the top, you know, get a little for themselves. The king will never know, but there's this goody-two-shoes Daniel. who's always like, we can't do that. That's stealing. That's lying. Oh, man, it's Daniel. We've got to get rid of him. And so they convinced Darius, very similar to chapter 3 a long time ago, but they convinced Darius to sign this decree that cannot be reversed, that for the next 30 days, you can't pray to any other gods but to the king Darius. Imagine, <laughs> such a decree. So he makes it. And they know, 
and they just wait, right? And Daniel, he's high up, he knows. It says, when, they, when Daniel, um, well, sorry, first the three men said, we shall not find any ground or complaint against this Daniel until we find it in connection with the law of his God. That's so important. Right? They knew Daniel. I want people to know you that way. The only way we're going to trip you up is to get you to not follow orders because you follow God instead. Other than that, we're not going to be able to get you. And that, they knew that about Daniel. They weren't going to get him and all this other stuff. But get him to not compromise God's word. And so they got him to sign that decree. And so when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. So there you go. This old man now gets down on his knees three times a day, and he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God, as he had done previously. He didn't go in the middle of the square and go, I'm in defiance, right? He instead goes home, and he does, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just a dumb decree for 30 days. I have no idea. But you know what I'm going to do? This old man... It's gonna, I mean, you get a certain age, you're like, maybe I can just sit and pray, right? But he still gets on his knees three times a day, and he starts with thanking God. He doesn't start with, God, what are we going to do? Darius, the decree, huh? right? Instead, and I'm sure he said a lot of that, but, but it started with, praise you, God. I'm going to believe you to bring me home to Jerusalem, but even if you do not, I trust you, I believe you, I obey you. And so he does it. He doesn't stop. Come what may, I'm going to obey. And so those guys come, come and they secretly meet and they witness it. And so they're like, ah, we finally got goody two-shoes Daniel. And so they go to the king and they say, king, love Daniel. So they say, hey, too bad, king. You signed a decree. Into the lion's den he goes. That's the punishment. Darius did it because he had to. But he loved Daniel. He's like, oh, he's in angst. He's like, Daniel, I really hope your God will save you, right? And they, notice this, they throw Daniel into a lion's den, and they roll a stone in the way. Does that sound familiar to anybody? All night long, Darius tosses and turns. There's no way he can be saved from this. Those lions are hungry. They are hungry. And so the next morning arrives, he runs, and he's just like, oh, Daniel, yeah, I'm good. The angels came. They shut the mouths of the lions. My, and he's like, your God did it. And that stone was rolled away. If the furnace is a picture of the cross of Christ, the lion's den is a picture of the empty tomb. That our God saves, our God delivers, our God redeems, our God restores, and nobody else is like our God. So we believe him and we obey him. Come what may. One more, New Testament. It'll be shorter. You just put him away, probably in your attic. Is that a weird thing to say? Along with Mary and, uh, you know, the shepherds and all of that. His name's Joseph. And, 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 and I didn't get a chance to really preach much this year on some of our classic Christmas texts. But you know the story of Joseph. And one of the favorite things for me about Joseph is that he's nowhere in Scripture recorded as saying a single word. I used to get the teenagers on that. I remember Sunday school would be like, I'll give $100 to the first one that can find the first word that Joseph says. And meanwhile, I'm like praying that I hope I didn't miss something. I don't got 100 bucks to give this kid. 
right? And, and so, so, sure enough, I was right, thankfully. He never says anything. That doesn't mean he was a mute. I'm sure he spoke, but in Scripture, he just acts. And so you know the story of Joseph, right? Regardless of your church background, you, he, he, he's, just a, he's not this hero. He's, he's not this, like, famous guy. He's a humble carpenter in Nazareth, and he wants to get married to a woman he loves named Mary. And, and they're betrothed, which means they're agreed upon. The families have agreed, but they're not yet living together. They don't consummate that marriage. There's an in-between time. But then Mary gets pregnant, and he knows it ain't him. And he knows something about biology. There's only one way to get pregnant. And so now we find Joseph in the book of Matthew tossing and turning, not being able to sleep. And when he does, it's very fitful sleep. And, he, and he's just, what do I do? I, I got to divorce her, but I don't want to hurt her. I, she hurt me so bad, but I don't want to hurt her. I love her. Like, it's just all that, that angst. You've been there. Maybe not that situation, but your own. Just like, what do I do? There's no way out. There's no answer to this. Why does that have to happen to me? Why did this situation come to me? I didn't ask for this. And so as he's doing that, he falls asleep, and an angel visits, right? Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What? 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 You're Joseph now. Think about it. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What? Mary's pregnant with someone who's going to save our people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You and I, that's great. We've, a lot of us have lived through a lot of Christmases. So, we, yay, Joseph, now go do it. Now pretend you're Joseph. Wait, what? I'm more of a Gideon guy. I might have eaten something bad. God, I'm going to need a few more signs. Let me just put this out. See if there's any do. Show me, God. Oh, wait, how about we show me again, God? Show me again. Like, like Joseph, right, he goes, now he's like, okay, so I'm supposed to marry her? Okay, so that's got, what? And, and so he's got all this going on, and he wakes up, and it says when he woke up, he did it. He just did it. As the angel of the Lord commanded him, he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He took her in. He stayed pure until after the birth of Jesus, and he took care of her, and he took all of the shame that was pointed his way, even though he didn't do anything wrong, and Mary didn't do anything wrong. Everyone, of course, thought they did. All that reputation, all that, and he didn't speak a word. He just obeyed. Why? Because he believed. He believed God. He believed his word. He's like, I don't understand any of this. I don't understand how all this is going to take place. Uh, but you know what? I believe God. And therefore, I'm going to boil it down, and I'm going to obey him. Even when it is hard. The voices can be loud, can't they? All around us. Sometimes they're loud. Sometimes they're whispering. This past 4th of July, I went to visit my dad like we try to do, and it had rained, so any of the little bit of wood that he had was wet. So we wanted to have a little campfire, a little 4th of July, you know? So I went to, uh, I think, Cumberland Farms to buy wood. Have you done this? 11 bucks for like three pieces of wood? I need to go into this business, right? That's what I'm thinking. So 
Because I got wood. In my house, I got my own wood, right? It's, it's free. You just got to go get it in the woods, right? So, so I'm there, and, and I, I pay the price. And this guy, nice guy, he couldn't really speak a lot of good English. And he wasn't really paying a lot of attention. And the wood was outside. So I paid him for, like, I don't know, three bags. I went outside. I was like, this guy will never know if I grab five bags. And you know what? I should be able to. They're way overcharging for this wood. You're a pastor. You should never think like that. I'm a human being, and so are you, right? So then I'm, but then I'm like, what am I doing, right? What am I doing in this moment where I could take a couple of extra bags and probably nobody would know, maybe even when nobody would care, and yet God would know. The voices are strong. Just bow this one time. Just, and, and like, I understand when we know something's wrong and we're struggling and we succumb to temptation. That's all of us in that battle. But what drives me crazy is when Christians, whole churches, even pastors, untether themselves from God's word because they think culture knows better. The voices of culture on sex, on gender, on the sanctity of life, on all these things, it's like, we want to be on the right side of culture. Really? Like, God didn't know? Like, our culture is different somehow? All these cultures have done and taught and said the same stuff. The question is, will I, even when it's hard, I might lose a relationship. I might lose a job. I might lose face. I might lose whatever. But will I believe God enough to obey God? That's the people of God. That's what Daniel did. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Joseph, and so many others. And we just take our place in, in line and say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God, even when it's hard. I'm going to believe God, even when it's risky, right? It can be risky. I'm not going to be as cool. I'm not going to be at the cool table. We're never at the cool table. If you find yourself at the cool table... It's probably a bad sign. Sometimes, Daniel was at times, but that was short-lived. Because at some point, you're going to be face-to-face. Do I believe God or do I believe my own voice or culture's voice? And so here's, we boil it down, just like last week. I said, just believe today. Okay? Remember, it starts there. Don't try to obey without believing. It's not going to work. You're going to blow it, and then you're going to hide, you're going to pretend, and there's nothing worse than a pretend godly person. Instead, believe God today, right, and let that result, and obey him. But just, just obey him today. And I'm not saying disobey him tomorrow. I'm saying don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about today. You've got to slice it into that kind of increment, because otherwise it's going to be too overwhelming for you. I mean, this is a tried and true principle that, that recovery groups use. Don't drink today. Don't do that drug today. So I'm saying the same thing. Obey him today. Tomorrow, you wake up, you read his word, you listen, you hear it, you read it, and you say, all right, I'm going to believe and obey God again today. Today. Like I was talking with um, uh, a guy, strong Christian, loves the Lord, a couple weeks ago. And he's been battling for years with a struggle with pornography. And I know I use that a lot because I know statistically half the people in this room are. It's just the way it is. And so he, 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 str- he knows it's wrong. He knows it's damaging to him and his future spouse, and he hates it, and he's doing pretty good. And I just said to him, hey, you have to believe him, God, and obey him today. Don't try to worry about 10 years from now or 20 years from now. Just today. 
Believe that God can deliver you from this. God can hold you true and pure today and obey him. Tomorrow's got his own problems. Now, some of you, maybe you're a little older. You're like, oh, I don't have a porn problem. That's, that's long in the past, anything like that. No, but maybe you gather at Dunkin' Donuts with your buddies and rage and complain and grumble at the world. Sound familiar? Suddenly you're with these people and it's like, can you believe what the president did? Can you believe what the... Sound familiar? In a lot of ways, grumbling and complaining, and the Bible will back me up on this, is far more damaging than pornography's ever been. I know the world's a hard place. God doesn't need you to complain about it. He knows. It's okay. So here you are, and you're like, okay, Jamie, I want to just obey today. But this, they're going to be raging against, do I not go? Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe you go with a plan. And then when Tom is, and if you're Tom, I don't mean this to be you, okay? Unless shoe fits, then maybe it is. I don't know. But and Tom's like, ah, right? And you say, hey, Tom, and only if this is true, you're like, hey, Tom, I notice you've lost a little weight. Looking great. He's like, actually, I'm trying my best, a little exercise, trying, you know? It's like, that's awesome, Tom. Good job, man. Keep it up. Build them up. All of a sudden, a little less complaining. And then you try it again. You turn over here. You say, hey, Larry, is that a new t- uh, toupee you got there? <laughs> Don't do that. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. And if you're Larry, I'm not. I'm not. Don't do that. Right? But try it. Maybe, you know, I just gave a couple of groups. Maybe you're a mom and you meet with other moms at a playground. And for some reason, you always end up tearing down that one mom or those two moms. They're the worst. It just happens so quickly. Can you believe God enough to say God can move in those moms' lives? God can move in Tom's life. God can move in, in, in trying to, 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 to not gossip and instead build each other up. Believe God and then obey. Remember how hard it is to be a mom and say, man, I don't know what her background is. I don't know what she's enduring. I'm going to pray for her, and I'm not going to tear her down. I'm going to try to encourage and build her up. I mean, today, just do it today. See, those are just simple little life experiences. We're not talking about furnaces. We're not talking about lion's dens. We're just talking about the moments of life where you say, do I believe God enough to listen to his voice instead of the world's, instead of mine, and instead of culture's? If so, just do it today. Tomorrow is another day. Let's pray together. Lord, I, 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 I want to pray um, so hard for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room or online. I just know all the things that we're plagued with, the temptations, to the voices that we hear of culture and subcultures and our own voices and, and, and family and friends. And Lord, it can be overwhelming, so overwhelming. And so Lord, I ask for you to bring clarity and protection through your spirit that we would learn how to just simply believe you, believe your word, and obey your word. (laughs) And Lord, when we're face-to-face with everyone saying, well, that's dumb or that's antiquated or old-fashioned or that we will just calmly, like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like Joseph, just simply do what you say, not what others say. And Lord, when we screw it up, We know you forgive us in Christ, and we're so thankful for your grace that's sufficient for us. So, Lord, if there's anyone here feeling beat up because they're not obeying you, that you would just show them your grace and your mercy.
that they would come to your throne, believe in your mercy. Jesus, you died for us. You died for those sins. We don't have to carry them. You took them. And so if there's anyone who came in here and they're, they're just haven't believed that you would give them the faith to simply but powerfully believe in your name, believe in your cross, believe that you came out of that tomb, and that so will we, and say yes to you, Jesus. All the glory may go to your name, not ours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing together if, you're, if you can.